We're going to have the infamous Mark Lucarelli come up and uh, read our scripture for today. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Uh, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. I have written this to you. Now, please stand. Sorry about that. Thank you, thank you. Good. Only as strong as the people around me. Amen. Thank you. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Please be seated. Amen. Another scripture? Everybody stand, please. Okay. Awesome. The whole page? All right, the whole page. You guys can handle it? All right. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those... He predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. More than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Please sit for the final time. Say please stand. We've been in this prayer series for a couple of weeks now, and 
we're so privileged to actually be able to pray to a God that hears, pray to a God that desires to fulfill His will in our lives. When we ask God for bread, He doesn't give us a fish, amen? amen. Zachy might ask me for something, and I give him something different. But when you ask God something in His will and His purpose, the Bible says that we agree with Him and pray His desires and purposes, they will be fulfilled. Have you seen that in your own life? Have you seen God answer prayers? Have you prayed prayers that have not been answered? Have you prayed prayers where you didn't know, you just kind of wished on a star, you threw it out there, you know, like that red sports car that you wanted? You're not sure if God is going to give it to you, you know what I'm saying? I've been praying that for years. James tells us that sometimes we pray, we pray according to our, our own desires, right? Our motive is off. Our agenda is off. God's will is out of the picture, and we pray. That's called missing the target. Lots of times we pray prayers that miss the target of God's will. And what God desires to do in our hearts and in, in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit as he's interceding for us, is to pray prayers that strategically hit the will of God every time. And when that happens, we see prayers answered, and we see the kingdom of God come down to earth, and we see the will of God done right in our midst. Amen? Sully was talking about how we need to think big, big thinks. We need to think big thoughts, don't we? We need to dream big dreams, because God is a big God, and he desires to answer our prayers and, and show himself strong on our behalf so that we can go out into a, a lost world for his glory and for his honor. Our own experience tells us, though, that our prayers, we often find that we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. There are more wishes. There are more hopes. rather than strategic, accurate, and intense groanings that hit the target of God's will. Faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ has caused us to be born again, quickened by the Spirit of God. John talked about last week about Ephesians chapter 2, that once we were dead, but Christ quickened us. Amen? Do you remember that day when Christ quickened you to the things of, of God? You were born from above. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God... His purposes and His will became alive to you. Just like little Ethan popped out of the, of the womb and is growing, right? Amen. And is living Amen. and is breathing. Praise God for that. Born at one and a half pounds. He's now what, 12 pounds? Amen. Almost 12 pounds. Amen? <laughs> Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are born from above. We're born into the, the, the wonder and the amazement of who God is now. And we're like, whoa, this is a new world. Amen? It's the same way that the Spirit of God now sanctifies us to the obedience of Christ. And His work transforms us and conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. We are being made into the image of Jesus Christ as each day progresses, becoming more like Him as we yield to the Spirit of God. Amen? <clears throat> It's the Holy Spirit who prays with us. 
Let's turn and read Romans chapter 8, 26. This is going to be a different version from what is on the screen. This is the New American Standard Bible that I'm reading from now. And it says this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever found yourself weak? Do you find yourself weak today? Have you been in a state of weakness for months, for years? The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There are things that we go through that brings grief and sorrow. Our past experiences, those things that have happened to us, those things that we've gone through circumstances, situations, people's abuse and neglect and abandonment have caused us so much pain and so much hurt. In our human emotions, we cannot express words that speak of how we feel. The Holy Spirit comes in and tells us that I know exactly how you feel. And we're going to get this thing through together. And I'm going to cause you to go into groanings. And I'm going to cause you to go into prayer. And I'm going to cause you to go into a relationship with me. I'm going to take you to places that you've never been before. That you'll see my glory in the midst of brokenness and pain and suffering and hurt and adversity. See, we like to run from stuff, don't we? We like to run from pain. We like to run from Weakness. We don't uh, like to show our weaknesses, our insufficiencies, our inadequacies. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that I kind of glory in these things. You know why? Because in my weakness, he becomes my strength. So many times as Christians, we want to just kind of scluff off the pain and scluff off the, the sorrow and scluff off the grief and the weakness and who we really are. We, we take a drink here and there. We, we smoke a joint here and there. We, do, we get into illicit relationships here and there. We got to cover it, man. We want to run from it, right? Isaiah chapter 53, 750 years before the suffering servant hit the planet, it was prophesied that Jesus would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. In this moment right now, God was thinking about you before the eons of time. It was prophesied 750 years before Christ would come that there would be a day when your sorrow would be turned to joy, when your pain would be taken care of, when your grief would be accounted for. And it's in this knowledge that 750 years before Christ came, he prophesied that he would bear your 
grief and your sorrow and your sickness and your disease, he would do it and he would bear it. He would take it upon himself. Do you know that when Jesus... Do you know that when Jesus died, you ever have somebody say, I feel your pain. And you say, no, you don't. Right? (laughs) Thanks, bro. I feel your pain. Yeah, right. No, you don't. Listen, when Jesus died on the cross and he bore your sorrow and bore your grief, he knows exactly how you feel because he bore your pain and your grief and your sorrow and your very sin 2,000 years ago. He was the lamb that would take away the sins of the world. He was the scapegoat. A lamb would be slain, the blood applied, the altar for the propitiation of sins, but there would be a goat, there would be a lamb that would be taken out of the city and let loose into the wilderness And on that lamb, symbolically, was all the sins of the people. Jesus went outside the city and died outside of the city. He was your scapegoat. He took your sins. He took your pain. He took your weakness. And he took your sorrow. So that now you can be strong in who he is. And learn from him as the Spirit of God intercedes through you and in you. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes we don't want the will of God. We want our own will, don't we? When we pray to God... Or when we don't pray to God, we feel like we can get through this ourselves. I've been through this before. I know I can, I can make it through. I don't really need God, right? I don't really need God. I can, I can get this. I can Christianize this thing through, right? Because I know the principles, I know what to do, and I know the emotions that I need, and I, I don't need Christ. I can get through this. We don't need Him. Then there's the aspect of we have no need of Him. We don't need him. We can get through. Then we don't, have, we don't have any need of him. Lots of times when we pray, we have an end result. We just want this emotion. We just want this money, right? We just want this thing to happen in our life. We treat God like a, like a rabbit, like a, like a rabbit's foot in a charm. We treat him like a convenience store. We just run in there and get what we want and come back out. But God is inter interrelationally kind of mixed in with us, right? He lives with inside of us. And he wants to be our God, and he wants to lead us along. And his very prayers flow through our spirit back to God's spirit. The Son of God prays at the right hand of God. The Holy Spirit prays the very prayers of God as we usher our, our, our groanings to the Lord. See, God gives us groanings that we, we can't groan in and of ourselves. Our pain is too deep. But when the Holy Spirit comes to us and we begin to groan the heart of God, groan the love of God, groan the grace of God, we, we, we groan with the passions of, of God, right? 
And in that process, we are being made new. And all of our weaknesses and all of our griefs, we give to him. And in return, he gives us his groanings and his desires and his passions. And our prayers for ourselves turn into this wonderful intercession towards other people. Didn't Job, wasn't he restored and renewed when he turned his prayer and prayed for his friends? Amen? We get all worried about ourselves in all of our situations and all of our weaknesses. God wants to use your grief and your sorrow and your past and your weakness, but you have to give it to him. You have to say, God, I no longer am going to hold this like a trophy. I'm no longer going to hold this as an excuse. I'm no longer going to claim this over my life. I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to pray your prayers and your groanings and your purposes and your passions in my life. So when I walk out there, I'm not walking out in my weakness or in my sickness or in my disease or my sorrow or my grief or my hurt, or my neglect, or the abuse that happened to me years ago, I'm walking in the victory and authority that Jesus Christ says that I have based on who He is and our faith and trust in Him. We claim our weakness like a trophy. And we shun the purposes and passions of God in our hearts and lives. If you're sick today, will you give it to God? Jesus never really told anybody to pray for healing, did he? He just said, go and heal the sick. (laughs) Amen? If you're sick today, will you receive healing? If you're caught up in your past and what you think you are, not based on God's word, but based on accusations and slander of the enemy, will you give that to the Lord? In return, he will give you truly who and what you are in Christ. You are an overcomer. You are a victor. You are a child of God. Lots of times we try to run from our weakness. The longer I've, I've lived as a Christian, I've realized that I have to hang on to my weakness. I have to hang on to my insufficiencies. I have to hang on to my inadequacies. When I lay my head down on the pillow, I have thoughts about myself that I don't let you know Because we have to come across with some decorum, don't we, with each other? And we have to come across with uh, socially adapted situations. But I'm dealing with stuff in my heart in life that I have to take to God because I know that I don't have the power to overcome, I don't have the ability, and I don't have the capacity. But for years, we keep on trying in the ability and capacity of our Christianese ways to try to get through. And the Spirit of God is just saying, give your burden to me. And in return, I will give you the very thoughts of my heart, my groanings. Let's flip over to Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll read that. Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. 
He was despised and we did not care. He was stricken. He was smitten of God. Yet it was our weaknesses, our griefs, our sicknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. The people mocked him. And they scorned him and they made fun of him. And they said, truly, if you are the king of kings, why don't you get yourself down from there? But you know what? He was dying for your grief and your sorrow and your weakness and your past and your thoughts of inadequacy and insufficiency. He was dying and he bore those thoughts. He knows how you feel. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Well, here it is, guys. And I know about rebellion, because I've been, I've been rebellious against the Lord. He was pierced for our transgressions, or our rebellion. And he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. And here it is. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. How many feel sometimes that God wants to crush you and cause you grief when you look at your circumstance or your situation? See, God crushed Jesus and caused him grief so that we can walk in newness of life. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. And this is the beauty of making our prayers strategic and accurate and intense according to the will of God. When we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us as we give over our weakness, as we give over our burdens... And say, God, I can't deal with this anymore. I don't know what to do. His presence comes in and he prays the prayers of God for our heart in our, in our life. And we begin to walk in the newness of life that God has for us. In the principles of God based on the promises of God. And we walk in the reality of the kingdom of God within us. And not the reality that is around us. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. That's a great, great verse, isn't it? God causes all things to work together for good. He's not the originator of all things. We live in a fallen and depraved world. We make sinful decisions. But everything that the devil throws against us God uses to work in our behalf, to work on our behalf, to work towards our good, according to his purpose, to those who love God. And, and here's the thing. 
We don't just want God to answer our prayers. See, God wants us to love him, to come into this love relationship, right? But sometimes we view God like we are Christian. You're supposed to answer my prayer, don't we? You're supposed to give me what I want. And that's not the key. The key is that God is engineering all circumstances and situations so that we would be, be in, a, in a situation where we would know and appreciate the love of God, and that would be the most important thing in all the world to us as we give him our weaknesses and our griefs. He predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn or the preeminent or supreme among many brethren. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who is against us? I took my, uh, our family to camp, and at the camp they had uh, BB guns that they shot, 22s that they shot, shotguns that they shot, grenade launchers that they shot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they shot BBs, they shot 22s, and they shot, uh, they shot shotguns. And uh, my son with the BB, because he's 10, he couldn't shoot anything else, he was bonking this little plastic golf ball on a string. Ping, 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 every time. I was like, whoa. But there was other people, other kids, I can't hit anything. They just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. A guy would come over and say, you know what, bud? You are, you're going a little bit to the right. You've got to just tilt your gun this way a little bit, right? And eventually, occasionally, that kid would hit the golf ball. Then we think of an army sniper. An army sniper can hit an 8-inch target one mile away. The record is 1.5 miles away, an 8-inch target. But he doesn't do it on his own. He's got a spotter, right? And a spotter is actually a more experienced sniper that helps him. When the bullet is shot, the spotter can actually see it going through the air because the air gets distorted. And he tells the the sniper, the wind velocity is this. You are two inches off. Aim to the right. Four o'clock. And he gives him instructions about how to shoot and where to shoot. See, the Spirit of God is our spotter. Amen? When we're, when we're shooting prayers to God, he sees the very prayer go through the atmosphere up to God. But he says, you know what? You're off a little bit. You got you to gotta come this way. You got to move this way. You got to let your agenda go. You got to let your will go to hit that target of the will of God. And this is the beauty of, of what the, 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 the intercessor is. He helps us. He is a helper. And it has the picture of, if you've ever lifted one of our tables, they're about 85 pounds. Okay? Now, two years ago, I used to lift them all by myself. I'm two years older now, and I do not. They're 85 pounds. What happens is, I pick up one end. Another person comes over and says, hey, can I help you with that? Two years ago, I would have said, nah, I got this. 
Now, two years now later, I say, please, <laughs> lift it, right? And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit comes. He comes to you and he says, listen, this burden might be a little bit too heavy for you. Can I help you? And you say, no, I got this by myself. And the Holy Spirit says, fine. And we struggle through life with all of our weaknesses and griefs. And the Holy Spirit is asking, can I, can I, can I help you? And we say, God, come on in and help me. Together, let's get through this. See, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is one who comes up alongside. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our spotter. He's our helper. He's the spirit of truth. Convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He personally speaks to us. He is God. And he relates to us who God is and manifests the work person of Jesus Christ to us. And we say, yes, I need help. Help me. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Lots of times we isolate ourselves. Isn't it true? We pray prayers that God doesn't answer. We pray prayers that don't bring emotions. And we say God has left me and we isolate ourselves from the family of God and we get a bad attitude about God. God is just saying, I can help you if you just let me. Let me help you pick up the burden and pick up the pain, pick up the suffering, and I'll lead you into wonderful and new things of my son. The Bible says here that if God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't that true? So today we want you to take your weakness, not look at it as, as a trophy, don't hold on to it like a God, release it to, to the Lord and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to minister through you to reveal Jesus Christ, His love, and the fact that He wants to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Do you have any weaknesses today? Have you told the Lord that I don't really need you? I got this. Or maybe you've told the Lord, Lord, can you give me this? Can you give me that? I'll take that and that. But when it comes to really knowing him and loving him, you've been pushing him aside. Let him into your heart as the intercessor and let him love on you. And let him teach you how to accurately target the will of God for your life. Amen? How many have questions about the will of God? This is a promise right here that He'll let you in on the word of, of the will of God as you pray and allow Him to intercede on your behalf. Two things we know, the will of God. That He wants to love you and He wants to show His love towards you. And secondly, He wants to change you and He wants to transform you. That is the key to accepting and strategically praying the will of God for your life. It's not about our agenda, is it? It's not about our will. It's not about our purposes. It's about becoming more like Him so that God can change us on the inside so that we can go out and reach a lost and broken world. He changes our prayer for edification into a prayer of intercession. Amen? When we pray to the Lord that He would edify us and build us up, then He does that. And He overflows to a lost and dying world that He would 
we, we would intercede for, for others, which is a powerful aspect of God's grace. So are, are your prayers strategically hitting the, the target of God's will? Elijah prayed down fire on an altar in front of 450 prophets of Baal. Then he prayed down fire on something else. And then there was this old woman Jezebel coming after him, and then he got under a tree and wanted to die. Isn't that something? Paul prayed that three times that this thing, this, this thorn in the flesh would go away. And, Je- and Jesus said, listen, I got that in you and on you so that you would come to me and find my grace and my sufficiency. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uttered these words against the very will and work of what he was to accomplish when he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. His humanity was crying out, groaning, right? But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, right? We have ideas of in our sufferings, but when we suffer, when we go through pain, let's always cry out, Lord, it's not about my will. It's not about what I want. It's about your will and what you want to accomplish through my life. Are you excited about what God is going to do through you according to your weaknesses this morning? Right? I'm weak, but I need him. We are weak, and we need him together. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much that you bore our grief and you carried our suffering. Prophesied 750 years before you came. You did that 2,000 years ago and it's settled in heaven that you will take our grief, you'll take our sorrow, you'll take our past, and you'll give us new life. And Lord, I thank you for this wonderful, wonderful aspect of the very Spirit of God interceding on our behalf. The prayers of God, the prayers that you have for our lives, you intercede and you bring to us these groanings that words cannot express. And I thank you, Lord, that this, today and this morning as we give you our weaknesses, as we give you our situations, we give you things that have come into our lives that maybe we have blamed you for, we give them to you and we ask you, Lord, not my will, but your will be done as you conform me to your image, that I would hear the groanings and the purposes and the desires of God for my life amidst the suffering and the circumstance. We know that Paul said this, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection, but in the very fellowship of your suffering. God, we thank you so much that you suffered and died for us. You took our grief and our sorrow. And now we lay it on the altar. And we ask you, O Lord, to intercede on our behalf. Speak through us. Pray through us. Pray in us. The very wonder and the purposes and the plans and the passions of God for our lives, for our family, for this church. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're our spotter. If we've been off target, oh God, we ask you now to help pick this table up and guide us and lead us. You are our helper today. So we give you all praise and all glory. We thank you, God, that we can pray accurately according to your will 
when we want your will to be done in our hearts and in our lives. So God, I pray for each one as they leave this place that the will of God would be the most important thing in their lives. No excuses. No pandering. Just a reckless abandonment to the will of God and the promises of God, the word of God, and the intercession of the Holy Spirit today. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.